The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, November 28th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Protests erupt across China over the country's COVID-0 strategy. The unrest in China has stocks slumping around the world. Turmoil at a plant in China may cost Apple close to 6 million iPhones. And Wall Street braces for a key speech this week from Fed Chair Jay Powell. The team charged with shooting up a Buffalo supermarket is expected to plead guilty to state charges. Plus, without power. Or in the cold months in Ukraine. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Mike White led the Jets to an easy win. The Knicks lost to Memphis. The Nets beat Portland. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Monday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are on the decline this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 38 points, or nearly 1%. Dow futures down 231 points. NASDAQ futures are down 134 points, a drop of 1.1%. The DAX in Germany and CAC in Paris both down 1%. The FTSE in London is down 6 tenths percent. COMEX gold is up 4 tenths percent, or $6.60 at 1775.40 an ounce. Amy? Nathan, we begin with unrest in China. Protests are spreading after COVID rules were blamed for hampering rescue efforts. When a fire broke out in an apartment block, killing 10 people, we get more from Bloomberg News Managing Editor M. O'Brien. You uh, saw what started as uh, vigils and pushback against this horrific fire in Aronchi in northwest China in an apartment block that people believe was locked down due to COVID controls. Peaceful vigils sort of morphing into wider protests against people not wanting to be taken away into quarantine camps, people pushing back against PCR testing, tussling with COVID workers, and in some cases pushing down testing booths in various cities. This is spreading across different strata of society and does show uh, no signs of abating. Bloomberg's Emma O'Brien says these protests marked the most significant challenges to Communist Party rule since the Tiananmen Square crisis more than 30 years ago. Now, the unrest in China is affecting global markets. Amy, stocks in Shenzhen and Hong Kong fell more than 1% overnight. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning. Good morning, Julie. Nathan and Amy. Chinese shares listed in Hong Kong led the declines in the region, while those on the mainland also came under pressure. The onshore yuan dropped as much as 1% against the greenback before trimming some of those losses. Broader stocks in Taiwan were hurt by the ruling party's resounding defeat in island-wide local elections. And elsewhere, Win Macau and MGM China surge, leading gains among the six Macau casino operators that were awarded new licenses to continue running their business in the gambling hub. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, thanks, Juliet. The rare protests in China prompting investors to rethink bets on the country after jumping back in on hopes of a reopening. Mark Mobius, the founder of Mobius Capital Partners, tells Bloomberg he does not expect the demonstrations to end peacefully. It's clear to me that she cannot tolerate any protests, so there will be a very tough crackdown on any protesters. More people will be arrested, and uh, they will probably go further in terms of control. Those comments from Mark Mobius come as Goldman Sachs economists say they now see some chance of a disorderly exit from COVID-0 in China. And now Dr. Anthony Fauci is making a rare move of publicly criticizing China's COVID-0 policy. We get that part of the story from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. Dr. Fauci says he's been puzzled all along about China's overall COVID strategy. It seems that in China it was just a very, very strict extraordinary lockdown where you lock people in the house, but without any seemingly end game to it. And Dr. Fauci on NBC has heard on Bloomberg says he also doesn't understand why China relied on vaccines solely manufactured in China. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Ed. The turmoil in China having an impact on Apple and production capacity for its flagship product. We get the latest on that now live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Amy and Nathan. Apple is looking at a shortfall of nearly 6 million iPhone Pro units this year because of problems at a key manufacturing hub. The plant has been plagued by lockdowns and worker unrest following violent protests against pandemic restrictions. Thousands of workers fled in October, and the people who replaced them quickly rebelled against pay and quarantine rules. The facility operated by Foxconn Technology Group produces some of Apple's most in-demand headsets. Apple and Foxconn reportedly expect to make up production losses next year. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thanks. The protests are also having an impact on commodities this morning. Oil is trading at its lowest level in almost a year. Checking prices now, NYMEX crudes down 3% or $2.30, $73.99 a barrel. Brent is down 3.1% at $81.06. Nathan, back here in the U.S., it will be a busy week for U.S. economic data capped by the monthly jobs report for November. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Giudice reports. Economists say December payroll growth will probably fall short of November's gain at 261,000. U.S. unemployment could match or top November's 3.7 percent as technology firms cut jobs and rising interest rates trim the economy's growth rate. Meantime, the Federal Reserve will release its Beige Book Economic Survey, which will provide anecdotal reports on U.S. business activity, including hiring. Among other reports this week, the ISM's factory index, a key barometer of the American manufacturing outlook. Vinny Dale, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thanks. And perhaps the biggest event on this week's economic calendar comes Wednesday. That's when Fed Chair Jay Powell delivers a speech in Washington. Powell's expected to set the stage for slowing interest rate hikes. At the same time, he'll remind Americans that the fight against inflation will run into next year. Bloomberg Radio and Television will bring you Powell's speech live. Again, it's on Wednesday at around 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time. And the holiday shopping season continues today with Cyber Monday. Retailers saw modest growth over the Black Friday weekend, according to data compiled by Sensormatic Solutions. And store traffic ticked up 2.9% at brick-and-mortar retailers over 2021. Deep discounts reportedly lured shoppers seeking a break from inflation. And S&P futures again down 37 points now. Dow futures down 226. NASDAQ futures down 131 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 530 seconds. The yield 3.65%. Yield on the two-year 4.44%. And again, NYMEX crude is down 3%, $73.97 a barrel. Local headlines and a check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. 
All right, thank you, Nathan. 507 on Wall Street. Now let's bring in Michael Barr with war on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A white gunman who targeted a Buffalo supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood plans to plead guilty today on state charges in killing 10 people and wounding three others. Peyton Gendron, who is 19, is scheduled to appear in Erie County Court for a hearing that was postponed for a week by a snowstorm. The 25-count grand jury indictment includes charges of murder and domestic terrorism motivated by hate, which carries an automatic life sentence upon conviction. Gendron also faces charges for separate federal hate crimes that could result in a death sentence if he is convicted. Ukraine is suffering a power crisis after Russian strikes on its power grid. The capital, Kiev, is covered in snow as temperatures fall below freezing across the country. Electricity has been restored to most areas in at least a limited capacity for just hours in the day. Meanwhile, the congressman who will chair the House Intelligence Committee when the GOP passes the majority in Congress in January says rumors that Republicans will pull back congressional support of Ukraine are not true. Mike Turner of Ohio says, though, the GOP-led House will pass aid to Ukraine as standalone measures. We don't need to pass $40 billion large Democrat bills that have been being passed to send $8 billion to Ukraine. And the GOP congressman who will become chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Michael McCall, says he will support giving longer-range missiles to Ukraine. If we lose in Ukraine, Chairman Xi's going to look at Taiwan. And the Ayatollah is already all in with Russia and China in this fight. And Kim Jong-un now is providing artillery shells to, uh, to uh, Russia to fight the Ukrainians. McCall of Texas and Congressman Turner spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Many of Donald Trump's potential 2024 rivals and some top Republicans have fallen silent on the former president's dinner with a notorious white supremacist. Trump's impromptu dinner with Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago last week has drawn condemnation from only a handful of Republicans, while most sidestepped the matter or said nothing. However, Republican Representative James Comer of Kentucky was critical of the dinner. Well, he certainly needs better judgment in who he dines with. Along with Representative Comer, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was also critical of Trump for putting out a plate for Fuentes. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Andy. Safe to say the Jets' much-talked-about decision to bend quarterback Zach Wilson, replace him with Mike White, was a rousing success. White led the Jets right down the field, first possession to a touchdown pass to rookie Garrett Wilson. Second quarter, they hooked up again. Play action, back to throw, looks over the middle, throws one, it is caught by Garrett Wilson at the 35-yard line. Makes a man miss at the 30, sprints right to the 20, to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! With a catch and run, a 55-yard touchdown. On ESPN New York, Jets went on to beat the Bears in the rain at MetLife, 31 to 10. A week ago, Wilson in New England, nine of 22, 77 yards, a QB rating of 51. White, 22 of 28, 315 yards, three TDs, and a rating of 149. The Jets' offense. That had 103 yards last week, had 466. Two games went overtime. Cleveland beat Tampa Bay, who's now 5-6, and six, but somehow still in first place. The Raiders won in Seattle on a Josh Jacobs 86-yard touchdown run. He had over 300 all-purpose yards. The Chargers went for two rather than the extra point to tie, and they won at Arizona. Jacksonville did the same thing. 
to upset Baltimore. Last night, Philadelphia went to 10-1, and beat Green Bay 40-33. At the Garden, Knicks rallied fourth quarter to take the lead, but Memphis pulled it out, 127-123. John Morant, 27 points, a triple-double. Jalen Brunson led the Knicks with 30, but he missed two shots in the last 10 seconds. The Nets beat Portland at Barclays, 111-97. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Amy. All right, thank you, John. Futures are lower. S&P futures down 35 points. Dow futures down 202 points. NASDAQ futures down 124 points. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds. The yield at 3.65%. Much more still to come on this Monday morning edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are falling around the world as growing unrest in China over COVID restrictions sends a shiver through global markets. We check those every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now are down 36 points. Dow futures down 210. NASDAQ futures are lower by 127 points. The DAX in Germany is down 1.1%. The CAC in Paris is lower by 9 tenths of 1%. Ten-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 3.66%. Yield on the two-year 4.44%. NYMEX crude is down 2.9% or $2.19 at $74.10 a barrel. COMEX Gold is up 4 tenths percent or $7.50 higher at 17.76.30 an ounce. The Euro, 1.0462 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2098. The Yen is at 137.65. Bitcoin's down 2.25% at $16,200. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Chinese authorities have eased antivirus rules in scattered areas, but affirm their severe zero-COVID strategy after crowds demanded President Xi Jinping resign during protests against controls that confine millions of people to their homes. The protests are the most widespread display of opposition to the ruling Communist Party in decades. Americans ignored any inflation and recession fears to start holiday shopping this weekend. A record $9 billion was spent on Black Friday, up more than 2%. Now many retailers are offering deals today for Cyber Monday. In the NFL, the Jets commanders and the 49ers won. The Ravens lost. In the World Cup in Qatar right now, Cameroon and Serbia are in a scoreless tie. Yesterday, Morocco beat Belgium 2-0. Croatia down Canada 4-1. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're joined now by Managing Director Lori Calavacina, head of U.S. Equity at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, good morning to you. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. I wanted to start out our interview today talking about the protests in China. If you could talk about what you might see in that market reaction. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, as always, Amy. Um, look, I think it's interesting. This is a day we'd normally be talking about Black Friday and the consumer, and instead we're talking about geopolitical risk. 
Um, and I do think, you know, if you if you think about, you know, sort of the, the trajectory that markets have been on, we've been on a bit of a tear since mid-October, but we have been following the 2002 path all year in the S&P 500. And this is about the point in time back in 02 that equity markets peaked and started to trade lower. Um, so it is sort of a precarious time for the rally to begin with. Um, but I do think, you know, these are real concerns because part of that big move that we saw off the October lows was driven by excitement over China reopening. Um, there's also been a lot of excitement, you know, on any supply chain indicator you can look at saying that things are starting to get better. So I think that complicates, you know, what we're dealing with today. One, it's just another element of uncertainty for markets to deal with at a precarious time, but it also does challenge that reopening, uh, improving in the global economy and supply chain thesis that had been powering this rally of late. Because this is an ongoing uncertainty when it comes to China, has this already been baked into the forecast? I don't think so. I think that this is something new, and you can see the reaction in futures this morning um, where the NASDAQ futures, which have been, you know, sort of the risk-on, risk-off trade of late, um, have been getting hit a little bit more. Um, You know, at the end of the day, um, there is always some uncertainty associated with China, but I do think this is, you know, sort of giving the bulls over the last, you know, few weeks or so a bit of a blow to, you know, the thesis that had been been, uh, playing out in markets. Now, let's turn to the Fed, if we could. Fed Chair Jerome Powell this week expected to indicate that the Reserve is going to slow its pace of interest rate increases, uh, probably starting next month. Now, he is expected to speak on Wednesday. Bloomberg Radio and Television will bring you that speech live around 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Wednesday. But, Lori, I want to ask you what you're going to be looking for in that speech. So it's interesting. I mean, there are quite a few Fed speakers out this week, and that's one of the, you know, things that we have highlighted investors needed to look for a few weeks back when we were talking about the outlook through year end. Um, It's just the idea that we can't imagine that the Fed is too happy at the rally that's happened off the the mid-October lows. Um, So we are going to be looking, you know, obviously for any change in tone. Um, I have had some investors, you know, say to me directly, like, how much does the Fed want to see the labor market deteriorate before they'll back off? That was sort of before the last CPI print. We got that Mm -hmm. comment. Um, But I do think just clues on how the Fed is thinking about the labor backdrop are going to be pivotal. I do think investors have been baking in a slowdown in rate increases. I think that's something that has been helping propel the market higher of late. Um, But we do think there's a risk from not just Powell but other Fed speakers of trying to talk the market down, um, you know, just to help contain financial conditions and allow them to take that pause. Okay, we're going to watch that with you now. In addition, some of the other issues that have been coming up, what are you seeing as far as some of the best earning trends overall? You know, it's interesting. It was it was a interesting reporting season. Um, there are always a few that trickle in at the end, but we're basically done, thankfully. Um, you know, I think that earnings expectations did get cut. I don't think that they got cut enough. And, you know, probably my biggest takeaway is that when companies were pressed on the 2023 outlook, they said, hey, get back to us in February. Get back to us in March. We're not going to talk about that right now. Um, so I do think there's another wave of downward revisions that are coming in the next reporting season when guidance is given for the year ahead. Self-set analysts will be forced to adjust their numbers by then, if not before. Um, I think the other thing that was interesting is that we were generally still seeing beat rates uh, or or beats on earnings, but the pace of beats was slowing down. Um, And so it did seem to me like a pretty rational reporting season. Energy was one of the sectors that did well. And as we sort of see commodity prices take a hit um, of late, uh, just on some of these geopolitical concerns, you do have to wonder if that earnings resilience that we're seeing from energy, how much longer that's going to last little less than a minute here. Laurie, you mentioned Black Friday at the top of this interview. Uh, what struck you on Black Friday this year? 
I mean, I think what strikes me this morning is how few headlines I see about I see it on my, my Bloomberg terminal. It's just not the, the point in conversation. Um, you know, I think that we will need to sort of start to hear from the companies in a little more detail about everything that they saw. But in general, I think the idea that the consumer is being a little bit more cautious, a little bit more discerning, um, but hasn't fallen off a cliff, um, you know, is something that we're still continuing to see in the news flow that's coming out. Okay, Lori, thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning. Managing Director Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity at RBC Capital Markets. Now checking the markets. S&P futures down 33 points. Dow futures down 186. NASDAQ futures down 113. Ten-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds. The yield at 3.66%. The two-year yield at 4.44%. NYMEX crude down two, now down 3%. That's $2.18, trading at $74.10 per barrel. Much more still to come on this Monday morning edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI, built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation. SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour, starting with protests in China spreading nationwide. Citizens are pushing back on President Xi Jinping's strict COVID zero rules after they were blamed for hampering rescue efforts in a deadly apartment fire. Bloomberg News Managing Editor Emma O'Brien says it's the most significant challenge to the Chinese Communist Party since Tiananmen Square. You uh, saw what started as vigils and pushback against this horrific fire in Aronchi in northwest China. Peaceful vigils sort of morphing into wider protests against people not wanting to be taken away into quarantine camps. This is spreading across different stratas of society and does show no signs of abating. Bloomberg's Emma O'Brien says protesters are showing their support online despite government surveillance. Protests in China, Nathan, are also having an impact on Apple's bottom line. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joining us now live with details. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Amy and Nathan. If all you want for Christmas is that new iPhone, Santa can only do so much. Millions of people may not find one under the tree this year because of production problems at a manufacturing plant in China. Apple is reportedly looking at a shortfall of nearly 6 million iPhone Pro units at the plant operated by Foxconn Technology Group. Workers there are protesting pay and COVID-19 restrictions. Production could fall behind even further if COVID lockdowns continue. Apple and Foxconn expect to get caught up next year. Apple stock is down nearly 2% in pre-market trading. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. The ongoing unrest is having wide market repercussions. Stocks in China and Hong Kong fell more than 1% overnight. Mark Mobius, founder of Mobius Capital Partners, tells Bloomberg he expects more short-term losses and also has long-term concerns about China. The problem that I have is from a longer-term perspective, I'm talking about four or five years is what our view is, what happens 
if China decides to attack Taiwan. It's going to be like Russia. You know, all of the investments in China will be lost. Mark Mobius with Mobius Capital Partners tells us he does not expect the current demonstrations to end peacefully. And protests in China, Nathan, also having an impact on commodities markets with oil trading at its lowest level in almost a year. Checking prices now, Dimex crude down 2%. That's $2.06 at $74.23 per barrel, Nathan. And futures are moving lower as well. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.33 on Wall Street. We bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. The teen charged with shooting and killing 10 black people at a Buffalo, New York supermarket earlier this year is expected to plead guilty today to state charges. Peyton Gendron is expected to plead guilty to at least part of a 25-count indictment that charged him carrying out a domestic act of terrorism motivated by hate and other charges. Prosecutors said it reflects the social media posts linked to the suspect that included the racist conspiracy theory known as replacement. Devastating Russian strikes in Ukraine have cut off power to many hospitals. Power outages have strained and disrupted the country's health care system. The congressman who will become chair of the House Intelligence Committee when Republicans assume majority in January, Mike Turner, says that his committee will turn away from investigations like the January 6th inquiry, Turner says instead the committee will focus on global security. Our committee is going to focus on national security and our adversaries. We have real adversaries where the committee hasn't been focused again. We do need to, however, do oversight to the intelligence community as to what they are doing, and we will do that and we'll do it vigorously. The Ohio representative appeared on ABC's This Week, which airs Sunday on Bloomberg. The pilot and passenger trapped inside a plane dangling from power cables for hours in Gaithersburg, Maryland, have finally been freed. The efforts to carefully extricate both people took much of the night. Finally, rescuers overnight said the occupants were sent to area hospitals with serious but not believed to be life-threatening injuries. Montgomery Fire Chief Scott Goldstein. Each time and point, we got and learned a little bit more and a little additional parts which is how we knew why we had to take the next steps that we did. Slow, methodical, and risk-based. Chief Goldstein says, though, tens of thousands of customers lost power in Maryland's Montgomery County. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, what a difference a week makes, or maybe it's what a difference a quarterback can make after Zach Wilson struggles at New England. He was on the Jets bench, not even in uniform. Third string, Mike White replaced him. Through three touchdown passes, the Jets iced their victory on the ground. A 32-yard broken tackle scamper, and the Jets extend their lead. Another New York touchdown. On ESPN, New York Jets beat the Bears on a rainy day at MetLife, 31-10. to They trailed Chicago with five minutes left of the first half, but outscored them from there, 24 to nothing. White led an offense that produced 466 yards. That's 363 more 
Then last week in that loss at New England, he was 22 of 28 after Wilson had gone 9 of 22. Safe to say, barring injury, Mike White is the Jets' starting QB the rest of the season. As of now, they are a playoff team at 7-4. and four. But the division is very strong. Miami blew out Houston to go to 8-3 and three in the Giants division, the NFC East. Even stronger, Philadelphia sits atop at 10-1, and one, a 40-33 to 33 win over Green Bay, who's just 4-8. and eight. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, then left with injured ribs. And Washington beat Atlanta, has now won six of the last seven. The Giants host the Commanders this Sunday. The Giants lose. They fall to last place. The Knicks came from 12 down, fourth quarter to take the lead, but John Morant led Memphis to a 127-123 win. Morant scored 27 on a triple-double. Jalen Brunson led the Knicks comeback. 17 of his 30 points came in the fourth, but in the last 10 seconds, Brunson missed one shot to put the Knicks ahead and another to tie the game. The Knicks are just 4-5 and five at home. In Brooklyn, the Nets beat Portland 111-97. Kevin Durant scored 31. Seth Curry had 29. He had seven three-pointers. Four more games today at the World Cup, including Brazil against Switzerland. It's winner go home for the U.S. tomorrow against Iran. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right. Thank you, John. It is 538 now on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that is Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. The Middle Collegiate Church in the East Village may have to find a new home some two years after a massive fire destroyed all but the facade of the building. New York One says the church raised more than $4 million to prepare for rebuilding on the site, but a church official says it may be forced to move if the city's Landmarks Preservation Commission rules the facade has to stay. New Jersey lawmakers have approved a bill to protect paid first responders who suffer from work-related post-traumatic stress disorder. NJ Spotlight says the bill would ban employers from firing, harassing, or discriminating against an employee who requested leave related to the problem. And the new year will bring new tolls on major New Jersey toll roads. NJ Spotlight says increases totaling 3% will go into effect January 1st on the Garden State Parkway, the Turnpike, and the Atlantic City Expressway. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business. Business report. I'm Joan Doniger. All right. Thank you, Joan. It is 539 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Warner Music suing a makeup firm over social media influencer videos that used music without license. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Chevron resumes oil production in Venezuela as the U.S. eases sanctions. I'm Jeff Mullinger, and on Kogo in San Diego, I'm reporting shoppers showed up over the Thanksgiving weekend, but moviegoers, not so much. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm talking about Apple's production problem as the company faces a likely production shortfall of close to 6 million iPhone Pros amid turmoil at its key manufacturing hub in China. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on diplomats restarting talks in the European Union over a price cap on Russian oil. 
Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. Other stories we're watching, Amazon winding down parts of its Indian operations, showing that even the crucial growth market with 1.4 billion consumers is not immune to Chief Executive Officer Andy Jassy's cost reduction campaign. The company says it is exiting meal deliveries, as well as a service that provides bulk doorstep deliveries of packaged consumer goods to small businesses. And at the box office, Glass Onion, a knives-out mystery, brought in more than $13 million over five days in a closely watched limited run. It marks the first time a Netflix film has played in the nation's major theater chains, including AMC, Regal, and Cinemark. The film won't hit the streaming service until December 23rd. Futures are lower. We're watching that for you, too. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are falling. Oil is tumbling as growing unrest in China over COVID restrictions ripples through the markets. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 32 points right now. Dow futures are down 194. NASDAQ futures are lower by 109 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd. The yield 3.67%. Yield on the two-year 4.45%. NYMEX crudes down 3%, down $2.30 at $73.97 a barrel. COMEX gold is up a half percent or $8.40 at 1777 an ounce. The euro at 1.0476 against the dollar. British pound 1.2091. The yen is at 137.73. Bitcoin's lower by two and a quarter percent at $16,200. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. In China, mass protests are taking place in the streets of some cities. The public outpouring is a reaction to the strict zero COVID policy enacted by China's President Xi Jinping. The long track home after the Thanksgiving holiday proved to be a challenge this year. The weather is complicating matters. The busy I-95 corridor from D.C. to Philadelphia to Boston is being hit with heavy rains. The Pacific Northwest is getting hit by snow today. In the NFL, the Jets, Commanders, and 49ers won. The Ravens lost. In the NBA, the Nets and Warriors won. The Knicks lost. Celtics beat the Wizards 130-121. In the World Cup in Qatar, right now, Cameroon won. Serbia, nil. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. Protests against COVID restrictions are spreading across China. Citizens taking to the streets, university campuses, venting their anger and frustrations on local officials and the Communist Party. Chief Asia Economics Correspondent Enda Curran joins us now from Hong Kong. Enda, thanks for taking the time with us. What are you making now of the market reaction to events in China? Well, these protests 
are unprecedented. Uh, there, there are, of course, uh, routinely sporadic protests in China on various issues, but to have this kind of a broad-based pushback against the government policy in different cities at the same time is pretty unusual. It speaks to the level of frustration on the ground, and I think that, by extension, does speak to or puts certainly a lot of colour around the challenges that the economy is facing in China at the moment. We know it's a fairly unusual slowdown because of the real estate crunch, and, of course, COVID zero. And then that, by extension, of course, is painting a pretty negative picture in terms of global sentiment towards China right now. And that's why I think investors are negative. They've already been pulling money out of China. China's security market this year, a fairly rapid clip. That's not just about COVID zero, of course. It's a very interest rate differential. But when you add it all up, it, it puts China's economy, it puts its public policy process, it puts it all in a fairly uncertain volatile space right now, and obviously the global investors do not like that. At one point on Saturday, protesters were calling for President Xi Jinping to step down unheard of. That seems extraordinary. Has this reached its boiling point? Obviously, that's unusual in, in the political system that China is. They don't allow that kind of expression of thought. So quite right. The question, though, is a... You know, the scale and the extent of these protests, how do they go from here? Do they broaden out? Do they grow in numbers? And, of course, then by extension, what kind of government response will there will there be? Will there, the government has, to some extent, our colleagues in Beijing and Shanghai are making this point, that to some extent they're allowing these protesters to vent. Obviously, however, they are censoring heavily the protests on social media. That's really where the rest of the world are getting against in terms of what's going on. So I think the critical question will be, going forward, just how broad-based these protests become, how how much uh, oxygen the government will allow these protests, and then, of course, how the government responds. Do they come back with a kind of a heavy-handed police crackdown, or is there some kind of a middle uh, meeting of, of minds in this? And, of course, the latter is probably a, would be atypical in the, in the current political environment in China. Most experts are saying there will be a government response. They will try and keep a lid on these protests, and then maybe further down the road, the government, of course, will be politically attuned to the protests and they'll probably start tweaking their COVID zero as they go. But, you know, the full rollout of COVID zero for China remains a very complicated one. We were reading about the unrest at one Apple manufacturing plant, which could mean a production shortfall of six million iPhone Pro units this year. What will that mean for the economy, for markets? Well, this is a big question. I mean, that's just one example, of course. Uh, we do know that the industrial side of things in China is suffering. It's suffering for two reasons. It's suffering because of COVID zero, which means disruption to how they operate, disruption to their mobility, disruption to their general uh, supply chains and way of doing business because of the ongoing testing requirements and uh, sort of lockdowns or quality lockdowns. That's the domestic China story. But the China's industrial base is also suffering, of course, because of weakening global demand. Anyway, I mean, exports out of China have been falling for some months now, and that's kind of a global demand story. It's getting hit on both sides. We had industrial profits numbers over the weekend showing that China's company profits continue to fall. We have our own Bloomberg, Bloomberg early indicators reading on China's economy. That's in contraction entirety right now. All of this stems from... On the one hand, the frustration and the exhaustion with COVID zero, and of course, on the other, the real estate slump and the global demand story. So I think all the indications are that the pressure on, on China's economy remains one direction and one direction only. All right, Chief Asia Economics Correspondent Enda Curran in Hong Kong. Thank you. Nathan. All right, Amy, thank you. It's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning with Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. 
A lawsuit filed in Los Angeles federal court accuses the English skincare company, Iconic London, of creating hundreds of promo videos that used songs from Warner Music Group without a license. A conservation group filed a lawsuit against a Massachusetts school bus operator over the amount of time the company's buses spend idling. The commercial space flight company, Virgin Galactic Holdings, named Sarah Kim as its chief legal officer and corporate secretary. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need on one legal research platform. Guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now let's get to another legal story we're watching this morning. Rodney Reed was just days away from being executed, but he received a stay from the top court in Texas. Reed has been on death row since 1998 for the murder of Stacy Stites, but he's maintained his innocence. Reed's case gained national attention with Stites receiving support from celebrities and politicians. Now, Reed says a DNA test on the murder weapon will prove his innocence, but the state of Texas has refused to grant that test, and his life could now hinge on a decision by the Supreme Court on a technical issue, whether Rodney Reed filed his appeal to the federal courts too late. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks with Bloomberg Law reporter Jordan Rubin. So this is a federal civil rights claim? That's right. So what happened is this. In trying to get DNA testing, Rodney Reed pursued that claim in the state court, but that claim was denied at the trial court level and then up through the state criminal appeals court. And so after that denial, Rodney Reed then filed a federal civil rights claim challenging the denial on the state level, saying that those state processes violated his due process. And so that's the crux of his federal claim. The problem is that Texas is saying that he waited too long to bring the claim. So the question at the Supreme Court is when the statute of limitations starts to run for a federal claim that state DNA testing procedures violated due process. Does it start to run when the state trial court denies testing, or does it start to run when the state appeals process has played out? And so it's this very technical sort of question that one might be tempted to get lost in, but it's a crucial question. The answer could depend on whether Rodney Reed and others who are claiming innocence can get DNA testing in these types of cases. Was there any talk at all during the oral arguments about the fact that he claims he's innocent and the DNA test could possibly clear him? It's hard to see why you wouldn't give someone a DNA test. Right. So in terms of kind of the reality of the case, That wasn't the subject of the argument, and that's often the case at the Supreme Court. Nonetheless, Reed's lawyer certainly did mention the innocence aspect during the argument, but there wasn't really this straight-up question posed to Texas of why don't you just do the testing. They're really focused more on the technical issue, as is often the case at the court. That's Bloomberg Law reporter Jordan Rubin speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. You can catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law podcast or by downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at Go. Just watching this red headline cross the Bloomberg terminal in light of all the unrest happening in China. We're hearing now China will end a ban on local share sales 
by listed developers on top of uh, COVID zero restrictions. The uh, Chinese economy has been dealing with an ongoing property slump. Another story we're watching, uh, more bank strategists are saying the market is not fully pricing in the risk of a U.S. recession. One of the latest uh, to do so is uh, Goldman Sachs, saying their model implies a 39% probability of a U.S. growth slowdown in the next 12 months, but they say risk assets are only pricing in an 11% chance. And at Deutsche Bank, they say the S&P 500 will slump to 3,250 points, about 19% below current levels in the third quarter of next year as recession begins before rebounding in the fourth quarter. Right now, S&P futures are lower by 34 points. Dow futures down 206, and NASDAQ futures are down 112 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd, yield 3.67%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a 1,000 global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.